0: Hey, everyone, we have had so many solo episodes, and it's now time to meet someone else in our community. I'm so thrilled and honored to bring you Michelle File. So I'll tell you a little bit about Michelle before the episode begins. This was a really great interview. We decided together, I just had this feeling and this intention that I wanted it to have no direction and for it to just unfold organically. And I asked her if she was up for that and she said yes. So we just agreed to make this like two friends having a conversation over a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or a cup of tea and just see what came out and so much wanted to come out. We talked about, you know, from the title, it's hard to tell in a quick title, but she talked about something we haven't discussed on BU yet and that is grief related to loss, you know, losing a loved one, how she navigated that. How she numbed and avoided grieving, what it looked like. We talked about shame, binge eating, abandoning ourselves as women, you know, hustling and overachieving and missing out on the sweetness of life for success. We talked about being humbled and brought to our knees and the realness behind being a woman who is trying to find her worth. And her enoughness everywhere outside of herself. This is a really beautiful interview. And I just want to thank Michelle for being so transparent. It was, it was really beautiful. I know you're going to enjoy it. So Michelle File is someone I met because she's a listener of BU. And I'm so glad I found out who she is. She's a very successful business owner and has now branched off creating a coaching business online, helping women learn how to create businesses online. So after 24 years of making women beautiful on the outside, Michelle put down her hairdressing shears and decided that her true passion was helping women transform on the inside. From a, and I'm gonna add, very, 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 very successful Aveda salon and spa owner in Canada, to a lifestyle entrepreneur, Michelle has found her true calling, and that is to create massive change in women through their health and their wealth. Six years ago, Michelle's father was given just six months to live. He looked her in the eyes and he said, Michelle, life is too short not to do what you love. That's when she was given a choice and she decided to follow her heart toward massive change instead of saying the same. And this episode is about all of that, that whole experience and journey. So thank you again, Michelle, and everyone. I know you're going to love, love, love her story.
1: There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free.
0: Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman, and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multimillion-dollar business. Ten years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Hey everyone, you heard my introduction and you hear why I'm excited to have our friend Michelle with us today. Michelle File, thank you so much for being here. And I'm excited that we agreed that this is just going to be a conversation, you know, just like two friends having a cup of tea or a cup of coffee together. I want to learn more about you. I know you have so much wisdom to share. You're going to touch on something we've never mentioned before, which is grief. We've talked about grief coming from a place of just sadness and suffering, but never from death. And we get to hear about your career transition and just what you've learned at this beautiful age you are. And I'm ready to just dive in. So just share with our community, you know, who is Michelle? And we'll just let unfold whatever unfolds.
1: Thank you, Jill. I love conversations like this. I just I just love it when you can connect with someone that really you'll never meet in real life, most likely, but you just have such a connection. And I felt that with you when you were on my show, but also just reading your amazing posts and listening to your podcast. I just felt a real connection. So I'm just so honored to be here, truthfully, to be able to chat with your community and and share whatever I can and and help people that might which inevitably we're all going to go through, it just it just help you kind of transition through a time when you lose someone through death. We, we talk about grief a lot, and I do with my community as well on all different levels, but I've experienced it in a little different way. So I hope I can bring some wisdom. But before that, yes, I live in Ontario, Canada, and I have a little girl who is 10, although I am 46. So we started late. I was actually... Married early in my 20s, that did not work out well, ended up really truthfully meeting just the perfect guy for me in my 30s. We dated and had a great time, got married, and then we actually ran into a huge infertility situation. So we ended up adopting Delaney Mm. 10 years ago. So she is, oh my gosh, you can only imagine how spoiled she is. She's just the only child. And she was just so waited for and passionately loved from day one. And she really is just the light of our life. And uh, But at the time of her coming into my life, I owned a hair salon. So I had a huge Aveda salon and spa. And my dream at the time was to have a chain of these salon and spas. I was a top 100 stylist in Canada, and just really thought that was going to be my life. And in this whole transition, I I ended up losing a considerable amount of weight, I really kind of took hold of my health. And through all of that, to make a long story short, the programs that I was using was actually a network marketing company. And I had this opportunity to share my love and my success with other women. And I did. I just started it just for fun. Honestly, I never, ever imagined that I would be a network marketer. To be honest, I didn't even know what network marketing was. I had no clue. Like you could have said pyramid scheme to me. I'm like, I don't know what that is. Anyways, my business took off. I was just in love with helping women, you know, not only losing weight, but I really fell in love with the mindset piece of everything and just helping women just become more confident, learning more about themselves. Why are they struggling so much? So I fell in love with this sort of quote unquote side gig that I was doing because at the time I was still running this huge salon. I had 15 employees. like It was a big business. And then one day, I kind of hit a breaking point. I was like, I need to decide. I need to make a decision. What do I want here? I was making great money here. I was making great money here, but I could not be spread any thinner. Mm -hmm. So I made the choice to close my salon and spa and dive into network marketing.
0: (laughs) You kind of hinted to it, but I'm just going to emphasize to everyone how successful you were. I mean. It takes a lot to go from hairstyles to owning a salon, period. But you had a hugely successful thriving salon and people sought you out and you made a lot of money. So for you to walk away, I mean, wow. Not only did you have something great on the side that was growing, obviously, but that takes so much courage to leave certainty. I mean, you left certainty.
1: Yeah, I did leave certainty. I left certainty and walked into a lot of uncomfortable situations and conversations. Because as you can imagine, people thought I was crazy. Yeah. I mean, the stigma that follows network marketing, which I am trying to change. <laughs> Before I am gone from this earth, I want to change the stigma. But everyone thought I was nuts. And and of course, it's hard to walk that path and feel confident. No, this is what your heart is saying. Your intuition is saying, do this. You're happier. So But I did. And honestly, it's been the absolute best decision of my life. I absolutely love it. I was able to replace that income and more. But aside from money, just happier. And everything landed in line with actually what we're going to talk about today. In the midst of all that 10 years, actually, the day we brought Delaney home, she was 12 days old. My dad was having his first chemo treatment. So everything My life leading up to 10 years ago was blessed. I came from an affluent family. There was no drama. I was successful. Like, honestly, the the little blip of a divorce was in there, but it was not a big deal. It Mm -hmm. was, it just really wasn't. And then it was like something dropped, (laughs) a bomb dropped on my little family of four. And my dad was diagnosed with Lung cancer, stage four, no chance of mm. surviving eight months. We had a couple failed adoptions, and then Delaney came, and then I changed careers. It was just a lot of stuff at one time. So it was a lot of learning about myself because, you know, rewind 10 years, I was not in a personal development space. I was probably the most insecure person, even though I made that really big choice in every other area of my life I was pretty insecure i was constantly trying to please everyone that was probably the first decision i'd ever made in my entire life that was like uh oh, how did she decide to do that <laughs> like she usually does everything everybody else tells her so it's kind of the start of my journey
0: and i want to step in because so many things you said we could have 3 episodes on already within this first 5 minutes okay so i want to go back for a minute and say that so when you talked about your growing up, it was a happy home, loving home, no drama, no trauma, and you had no money issues, right? And that's a life that most people wish for. And I'm so glad then you said, and I was a super insecure person who lived for everybody but myself. This is why I do this podcast, because I used to think that it was only people like me who had a traumatic childhood. And now we look at you and everyone listening, please hear her. She had the childhood that many of you are beating yourselves up for not giving your children, including me. I, I've screwed my kids up. I You can give them all of that and they will still have wounds and things to deal with. So here, Michelle even manifested the same kind of life she came from. She left the marriage that wasn't working and found Prince Charming and, and adopted the baby and had the thriving business. And then she's telling us that she was still living for everybody and super insecure, so I just wanted to have you, if you don't mind, I'm asking you to endorse my message because I know we believe the same thing. I mean, you're a coach, that these wounds were invisible to everyone else, but they were quite visible to you. And then you had wounds that were invisible to you that were visible to other people, I'm sure. And you came from a great upbringing. So that's that invisible little trauma that we don't know about, right? And
1: as you and I both know, working through this stuff My life on the outside, even to me, looked picture perfect. I mean, everyone was jealous of my life. They were. And I felt really fortunate. Like, it was never lost on me how fortunate I was. But I also knew there's something here not right. Why am I hiding chocolate bars in my closet and emotionally eating at 10, 11, 12? Mm. Why am I constantly trying to keep peace in my house? Now, I've gone on as I've worked through myself and surrendered to all of the things, the wounds, and, and I've gone on to figure out what that was. But I love that you really placed emphasis on that because you might look at other people with this perfect picture, perfect. You really don't know what's going on behind a person inside a person. Even my mom will still say to me, I don't understand why you were so insecure. (laughs) Like she can't figure it out. But I mean, I know why I know exactly why. But yeah, you just have to be really, really careful who you're judging and judging yourself.
0: And who you're comparing yourself to, right?
1: Who you're comparing yourself to. Absolutely. Never.
0: And you said just a second ago, You know, you never know what happens behind closed doors. And here, there was nothing happening behind closed doors in your house that wasn't great. But it was behind your own closed doors, right? Of your own, the window to you. And I just, I'm so, I have goosebumps right now because I haven't had anyone say that yet. We've had maybe 10 interviews so far. And I haven't had anyone say, I had a great life. I'm the girl you talk about. I'm the one. And I still had this crap. I mean, and I want to acknowledge you for being so transparent and sharing You know, that's a really vulnerable thing to say that I pictured you when you said that I'm hiding chocolate bars in my closet and I'm eating them at 11 or 12 at night. Like, I want to cry right now because I can see that Michelle doing that. And I'm like, oh, I feel that pain. And no, it wasn't tequila. And no, it wasn't a prescription drug, but it's the same pain, right? It's the same same shame and the same hiding. And yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I know women hearing this right now, are saying, oh my gosh, am I'm not the only one that does that? Because don't you, I know we're going to focus on something else, but don't you help women with that now in your career? Isn't that what you do?
1: I do. Yeah. And the thing is, we beat ourselves up for eating the chocolate bars, whether you're 10. So I want you to hear that I continued to do that until about 10 years ago. (laughs) Like, I didn't dig into myself. So what, on the surface level, people think I give them some workouts and a shake. That is not what yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I dig in with you and we figure out what's what's going on in here that's making you constantly revert back to that habit. And it's hard. Oh my gosh, these things to do with ourselves and really dig in. Oh, I know why I was doing that. I was so embarrassed for my parents that they had a heavy kid. So I didn't want them to feel embarrassed. And I didn't know what to do about it. And the reason I didn't want them to be embarrassed is because I always wanted to be perfect for them. Mm. So like getting to that level took a lot of surrendering. It's hard to admit. It's hard to say it out loud because my mom will probably hear it. Like there's all these things wrapped up in our own journey that are really hard to bring to the surface. But man, when you do, it's like, ah, okay. yes, Now I've got... The pieces here. Now I can forgive who I need to forgive, forgive myself, get a plan and move on and in a happier place.
0: Yeah. And I want to take two more left turns now. I'm so glad you agreed to just have a chat because this is how girlfriends talk, right? Oh, yeah. I feel like I want to have notes (laughs) in front of me because one left turn is I want to say thank you for doing that work. I know you did it for yourself and your own healing. But thank you for doing it because there are a lot of people out there coaching slash mentoring, making money, and they've never dug into their own crap. And that's where I want to change the coaching world because, you know, here I'm the new kid on the block and I'm a nobody in that whole world. But I'm learning that there are so many people out there who aren't willing to do their own difficult inner work. And then they're out there telling everybody else, do this, do that. And I also want to say thank you that because you could make a shit ton of money just selling shakes and workouts. Totally. Not hard. If you're a driven, motivated person who works consistently, you know that, and you love people, you can get rich in network marketing. And that does help people, by the way. Getting them the shakes and getting the nutrition totally. does make a difference. But you are willing to take it a f- step further and be honest and say, Jill. I can sell you all the shakes in the world. But if you do not work this crap out of you, you're just gonna keep coming back for shakes and workouts and never figure out why you're struggling. So thank you so much for that. I'm grateful for you. And I know the world of network marketing is, but also just the world in general. Because network marketers get this bad rap in general, as we know, um, not just the whole pyramid scheme thing, but there's this whole BS story that, oh, they're just there to make money. Of course, they don't think that of the girl working at the Gap. Who is there just to make money? <laughs>
1: exactly. So ridiculous. They don't
0: think that when they tell their kid, you need to go get a job to make money. But when their friend starts in network marketing, they say, well, you're only doing it for the money. You and I could talk for hours about that. Totally. But it also totally. is changing the face of the industry by you saying what you're saying.
1: Absolutely. And I will say, I made, I was making six figures before I did this deep work because truthfully, If we want to pivot to our original conversation, it was when my dad finally passed away, which was actually only four years ago. So I was deep into network marketing and he passed away. I was actually at the height of my, at the time, the height of like the biggest rank, the all the things, and he died. And I went into hustle. So of course, like just hustle your way out of depression, hustle your way out of grief. And a year later, I literally looked in the mirror like I was looking at myself for the first time in a whole year and everything just came crashing. I had legitimately ignored my family. I am missing a full year of my daughter's life. I can't remember a thing. We were building a house, Jill, and there are things in this house that I'll say to my husband, who picked that? And he's like, you did. You were adamant that this is how it had to be. And I have no recollection wow. of even like having the meeting with the kitchen designer because I was so caught up in grief and sadness and anger. And I just worked. I worked and worked and worked. And then I hit rock bottom. Like mm. I literally, I call it I broke wide open that one day looking in the mirror and I just knew I cannot feel like this for one more moment. I can't feel so angry and upset. And, and that's really what started me on a real deep personal development journey. Up to that point, it was more network marketing, personal development, <laughs> you know, read a book and say a quote and share the quote. <laughs> yeah, feel like you're really into it. That moment is when I started digging into what has gone on here this whole time in my life. And that's when I really started doing the deeper work. And that's when I've been able to work through my stuff, stemming way back in childhood, moving through all the things that have happened. And now I can share that with people that want to lose weight, but also with women that want to build a network marketing business. Because I can tell you, your business When you learn how to manage your mind, your business is going to flourish. 100%.
0: You
1: say this all the time. That's why I love you so much. Once you really do this work is where you're going to see success in all areas of your life.
0: Oh, gosh. Okay. First of all, so I want to acknowledge, too, the loss of your father. I know that was so painful. I'm so sorry. It was just four years ago. I didn't realize it was that recent. And so if I'm hearing you right, because there was a lot that you said, I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Whenever there's a lot of emotion, sometimes I don't hear people clearly. So you were making great money in your career. Everything seems great. Yeah, you admit you were insecure, you know, and had those issues secretly in the chocolate bars, but overall life was great. Dad gets sick. Dad passes away. And to numb yourself and avoid the pain and not knowing how to move through the grief, you're saying that's when you went into all out. I'm just going to work nonstop, and I'm going to achieve, and I'm going to hustle, and it felt good. It was like it was like a giant chocolate bar.
1: Oh, was it ever? Because yeah. look at Michelle; she's fine. You know. Oh, look at her. Her dad just died, but she's Jill. I was literally making sales at my dad's funeral. Oh my goodness! Like I know that is embarrassing. I don't say that with judgment. I say that
0: as, oh my goodness, look what we do. We all do this stuff. Yep. Yep. Wow. But I
1: loved it. I loved people like, Michelle's fine. How's your mom? How's your brother? Oh, uh, you know, they're okay. I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm great. Like, you know, and I just so wasn't. I actually can remember my thoughts every second. I felt like I was thinking about my dad. But I was working like every second. I was just like had a swirling of sadness and I got to take care of everyone else and like just this swirling, but never actually really, you know, processed it myself and worked through it. And grief is a crazy thing.
0: And before we even jump into grief, let's add that you had this whole facade of perfectionism. So you had to grieve perfectly. You couldn't just not break. You had to be the strong one for everybody. But also, here's what's interesting about how we numb, right? And anyone who's secretly, Sally somewhere is like, I cannot believe she was doing that or dance being real. Okay, Sally, <laughs> all right. Th- there are things that you do, right? That you may have gone out for a cigarette or you may have gone out and gossiped or you may have whatever. It, she was distracting herself from the pain, right? And she was numbing herself with something that felt good. It was like, a, again, another chocolate bar. Right, like chocolate bar. And it's a chocolate bar that becomes so addictive because you get rewarded for it. Because it's like, she's grieving so well. Look at her. She's taking care of the family. And by the way, she's making bank and she's helping all these women. And then the company is saying to you, you're amazing. Here's another award. Why don't you get on stage? And then people wonder why we get addicted to success. So I get it. And thank you again for being so raw. This is the stuff people aren't willing to say. And so for I hear you right, you were doing that so much to the point where like do you remember the moment when you realized i can't live like this anymore was it a physical breakdown what, what was it
1: like i said i seriously looked in the mirror i had my workout clothes my messy bun on and then it was like i caught my reflection for the first time in years it felt like and i just looked at myself and looked at my eyes and they were so sad And a lot of things had led up to that moment. I got to this peak of my career and I started comparing myself at this height of my career to other people that were at the same level, but also to the people, the women in my downline. So the women that I had brought in to this community and loved, I'm not kidding. They were my, they are my best (laughs) friends. And all of a sudden I couldn't even look at them. I was spinning. I was just spinning out of control. And then that one day I saw my eyes and I was like, Oh my gosh, I just, I can't feel like this anymore. You know, when your heart ladies, when your heart, it feels like it's going to be out of your chest and all the thoughts in your mind are just whirling and whirling and you can't even get a handle on anything. That was me. And I, I literally just broke into tears And most likely that was the first time I'd really cried since he died.
0: Wow. It was the
1: first time I'd let myself really cry.
0: Wow. Yeah. You saw yourself. You had been numbing yourself and seeing everybody but you and acknowledging everybody but you. and, And as they say, outsourcing your grief and outsourcing your pain and outsourcing everything you needed. And then you walk by the mirror and you really see yourself. And it's like, I mean, I'm going to stretch this because I just think this is a moment. But it's like God, it's like God, God did that and said, look, Michelle, this is what I'm seeing and you're not seeing. And you saw yourself and went, oh, my gosh. Which, again, good on you, as they say, because you could have had a different response to that. You could have looked at yourself in the mirror and said, okay, guess I just need to hustle more, which is what a lot of women do. So.
1: Totally, because there was a lot of pieces in place. <laughs> my dad conveniently had asked us to move close to my mom. So I literally live like five steps from my mom. So I felt like I had to take care of her. I, it was my job to make sure she was okay. And I had a little girl. And, I mean, so it would have been very easy to be like, you're fine. It's been a year. Here's something I would love everyone to hear. Don't expect people to be okay just because they've gone through everything once after they lose someone. (laughs) You know, so many people say, well, you've been through a year, you should be good. And I felt like that. I felt that stressor on me Mm. that, oh, I've been through the year, I'm supposed to be fine now.
0: Mm. Well, it gets worse. I get what you're saying. Michelle made it past the anniversary of his death. That's the goalpost. And now you start living and everything's fine. Yeah, but what they don't know is that you were gritting your teeth and clenching your fists and numbing yourself through that goalpost. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And as Mm -hmm. you said, I mean, you can't judge grief. Everyone grieves differently. And you said it gets worse.
1: It does really get worse. I mean, I think the important thing to remember is everyone's grief is different. We all have different relationships with people that have left us. and I. Idolized my dad. I really did. I now know that a lot of and I love love him. He was the greatest father. But a lot of my perfectionism, my need to do everything for everyone to keep the peace for the whole family was trying to keep him happy and trying to have him see me in a certain way. Yeah. So a lot of my mixed up muck actually comes from him. But I didn't know that yeah. at that time. Yeah. I've I've learned that. I've grown to learn that. When I lost him, I just didn't really know how I was going to go on without him. I mean, I talked to him every day. I just didn't know. And that's why I, I kind of covered it up.
0: Yeah, you had codependency, right? So totally. the person you're codependent with leaves and quote unquote abandons you. And then what do you do? Yeah. Oh, man, that had to have been very painful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. And, but it's been such a learning experience that I'm grateful that I had it because now I can share this. And I think it's so important because the one thing I can tell you for sure is everybody's going to lose a parent. Everybody's going to go through something like this, a parent, a child, a spouse, you're going to have this happen in your life. It's not going to look the same as mine but it's going to happen. And I just want people to be prepared and to know that it's, it's a lot more than just getting a funeral together and getting some flowers delivered and then you just move on. There's a lot of emotion tied up with it. And I think especially with a, a parent-child relationship.
0: Yeah, I mean, from what I'm learning right now, I'm no expert, but from what I'm learning right now, you know, when you lose, anyone, but in this situation, and, you, and you're and you right, it is very different when it's a parent. When you lose the parent, no matter what the relationship was, every single thing that didn't get brought up or healed or finished, cleaned up, comes barreling down the hill at you as soon as they pass. And all things you weren't even aware of, I'm sure. Um, they don't have to be bad things, but just the conversations you didn't have, the Uh, Oh, maybe that's why I'm like that. Oh, maybe I was trying to please my father. Yeah, and it makes the grief um, bigger than I miss this person because I believe anybody who has any kind of faith and it doesn't matter what they believe in, I believe anyone with faith can just move through the the part of grief, which is I miss that person. To me, and again, this is just my humble opinion with no real expertise whatsoever. Well, no actual expertise whatsoever, (laughs) let's be honest. But but truly, I believe that the part that might be so painful is the stuff you and I are talking about right now. It's not the, I miss him. It's the, oh shit, all the unknown stuff.
1: It it really is. You know, we had years to prepare. So at the beginning, I said, my dad was diagnosed 10 years ago and only given like eight months to live. Well, he actually survived six years. We were given plenty of time to have all the conversations, but he was like the energizer bunny. This guy would not die. He also financially had the chance to do a lot of stuff that a a lot of people would never be able to do. So he had a radical surgery. He had the crazy chemos that they were just coming out with that were going to save his life. And they, they did. It gave him extra time. And he always came back. He always came back. And then Christmas 2016, He went into the hospital two days, three days before Christmas, and he literally died on 1201 Christmas Day. Wow. I was actually so mad at him for friggin' ruining Delaney's Christmas. (laughs) I can remember sitting in the waiting room. I was so irritated. I was like, can we just wrap this up? You're going to go home anyways. We're going to be fine. I got to get home. It's Christmas. And unfortunately... He wrapped her up. All right.
0: He went home, but not home. Wow.
1: So it's pretty crazy. So you just, you can't prep yourself. You will never be prepared. I had years to prepare and say all the things. And there are <laughs> many journals full of things that I have worked through on my own. Cause he's not here to help for me to ask the question, but I've yeah. had to. I've had to forgive him for a lot of things. I've had to just forgive myself for a lot of things. And it's been a journey. It's been awakening. That is for sure. A lot of surrendering.
0: Yeah. And again, thank you for saying that because how many of us, and I'm one of them, think that if somebody passes away suddenly, like my one of my closest friends lost her husband two years ago, just a couple of days ago, suddenly 46 years old, just died of a stroke. I mean, who who dies of a stroke at 46 and tragic, awful. And we have said one of the tragedies is that it just he was just taken so quickly. And I love what you're saying. It doesn't matter if it's quick or if you have 10 years to prepare, you'll never say everything you feel that needs to be said. And, and I believe it's because the healing can only happen after that. Those true quote conversations that you're having with God, with yourself in your journal, couldn't have happened while he was alive.
1: They never would have happened, never, ever. And and to bring a lesson to all of this is I started listening to myself. Instead of looking out for all the answers, for trying to make other people happy, for always looking out for the first time. And I'm like, I was 42. I started realizing, wait a second, I have my own thoughts, my own heart, my own guidance. And I started listening to that because I had no other choice. He was gone. I couldn't go to him. Thankfully, I'm so grateful for that because it It helped me work through so many other things in my life, too. That was the catalyst for me starting a journey of journaling, self-discovery, learning more about gratitude. That was actually the first book I I picked up after that morning in the mirror was a book called The Magic by Rhonda. She wrote The Secret. I can't even remember her name. But for some reason, The Magic was on my bookshelf. I'd never, ever picked it up before. And I picked it up that day. And I worked through it. And it's a whole book on gratitude. That's all it is. It's literally a 30 day journey through gratitude, expressing gratitude. And you have to remember when someone's died, it's hard to be thankful. Like you feel like, well, what's there to be thankful for? Well, there's tons of things. And that really started my journey on self growth and it started untangling you know, myself in comparison and why didn't I have confidence? And it really was the catalyst to start everything.
0: And so what kind of changes did you start seeing in yourself? What kind of changes did your family and friends see? How were your relationships different? Knowing that you're five steps from your mom, You know, I'm assuming it went from, I'm there for you and it's not my job to stop my life for you. I mean, that's hard, isn't it?
1: I'll be totally honest that is the most challenging. I'm still working through my people-pleasing, feeling like I'm here because my dad asked. You know, there's a, I'm still working through that. <laughs> but we do have an understanding now. That I am here, but I still have my own life. I have my own family. But I would say at the beginning it was really learning to love myself the way I was, even in, I I didn't feel like I was a great person when I started unraveling myself. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of journaling. Why? Why don't you feel like you're a good, confident, successful? I didn't even see myself successful, even though I had grown such an incredible business now for the second time.
0: Because you weren't perfect. You wanted to be perfect, no matter how wonderful you were, Michelle, you were never going to be perfect. So you would never be enough. By the way, I'm talking to myself. That's why you didn't have confidence, right? Because you were comparing yourself to perfection. Mm -hmm. And you and I are identical in that. And it will never be enough. You'll never look good enough. You'll never be enough. You'll never be kind enough. You'll always see your flaws first. And I see you and I really hear you with that. And I also see that you're bigger than that and you're moving past it.
1: I think that those would be the first things that people saw. One of the biggest changes was I stopped hustling. I stopped doing all the work. I started waking up. Honestly, I I feel like a fog slowly lifted a veil of fog slowly lifted from my eyes. I saw my daughter again. I saw my husband again. I saw what actually made me happy. I started sharing my story in a real way instead of trying to be that. And this is how we handle grief. Because that was all bullshit. <laughs> what I was saying for that whole year, like whatever, I was not handling grief. I was, I don't know what I was doing. Let
0: me show you my Excel spreadsheet on grief.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. My PowerPoint. PowerPoint. Yeah. My PowerPoint on getting over grief. Yeah. So I just started waking up and I think most, I'm sure a lot of people thought, who is this? Or, Ooh, I don't know that I like her that much anymore. Or I like her more. I mean, I just started being more myself. Yeah, People saw me taking more time for myself. So that two hours in the morning, that's me. Just me and my journal and my meditations, and Louise, hey, if I need her. And like it is just me. And I know that if I can get my thoughts and manage my mind correctly, everything else falls into place for me. Always,
0: always. And I love that as someone who I'm labeling you codependent, but I mean, you had codependent behavior. As someone who was striving for perfection and living for everybody but yourself, for you to then take time every morning for you, oh my gosh, that right there is a Mount Everest. I mean, we don't do that, people like you and I. We don't. And if we we do, it's sort of half-assed because we don't deserve it and we feel bad about it and we're checking on everybody else to make sure they're okay. Or we tell everybody else that they need to be doing it while we're not doing it. So that's amazing. So you started taking time for yourself. You started being more of yourself. And when people said, who is she? I love that you said, I'm me. This is where I want to throw out a really bad word because sometimes I can be so mouthy, but in a funny way. So I'm just going to say it. It's my own podcast. Here I am apologizing on my own damn podcast. But honestly, you know what came to me when you were talking? Is like, who is she? I'm me, motherfuckers. Right. (laughs) That's what I wanted to say. I'm me. That's who I am. I'm the me that was covered up this whole time with everything you thought was me. And I apologize because I sold you on her, but this is the real me, take it or leave it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, for sure. I think
1: that I saw that happen within my team. You know, some people didn't don't actually like this new Michelle that's just herself. And I mean, you feel it in yourself. I wouldn't be sitting here on a podcast with Jill four years ago. I would be way too nervous, sweating. I would have figured out how to cancel it because I wouldn't have had control of it. I wouldn't have, you know, I liked having control. I would control the questions. I would control the answers. So coming on something like this and just having a chat, no, thank you. (laughs) And what people need to know is it takes a long time. I am still working on this every day and will work on it every day. You have to just keep growing and your confidence will keep growing. Your methods of getting to a feeling faster keeps growing. It doesn't just happen overnight. And when we're talking specifically about grief, grief still happens too. I mean, I woke up a couple nights ago, just tears, just because I actually, now I just miss my dad. Yeah, There's not all this other garbage around it. Yeah, I'm not mad at him. I'm not upset. I miss him. I just like, ah, oh, dang, it would have been nice to talk to him about that. But it doesn't take me down for a week or a month. I'm not in a depression. I can just acknowledge that and have that moment and and keep going and know that I'm just fine. I'm still successful. My mom's fine. You know, you just really work through this journey.
0: Yeah. And you're you're crying because your feelings can finally be seen and heard. They they finally can come out because you're not blocking it all with the perfection and the pleasing and the performance and the I'm so proud of you I love it You know let's flip to business for a second Those of you listening who have never been a part of network marketing This doesn't matter Like this is for any business If you have any sort of a team If you're a teacher You know anybody who has people who look up to them and follow them and call them a mentor When you really started showing up as the real you I'm guessing I don't know this, but because of, it's like all these people, all these tendencies are friends and cousins, like perfectionism, you know, people-pleasing, codependency. They all love hanging out together. And what usually comes along with that is a behavior that I used to be great at, that I talked about on your podcast, and I'm wondering if you were this way, where I was a hustler and a grinder and all that, and I also showed up a certain way with my team where the reason they didn't like the new me is because I fed them a false version of me. And then I got mad that they didn't like the new version. And the false version was, don't worry, I'll do everything for you. Don't worry, you're not good enough. You will never be as good as me. So let me speak for you. Let me host the event for you. So did you do that stuff too?
1: Absolutely. 100%. I I love control in all situations. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I had a team member who I I love dearly. I had this big retreat and I hated every second of the retreat because I couldn't make it perfect enough. You know, I was trying to control every little thing. And this was a couple of years ago, right in kind of the the deep of me. I feel like it was a recovery journey for me. And this is when this retreat was. Anyways, a, a few months ago, this woman said, you were just really, really stiff. You were just really, and I was like, oh, oh my God. I was. Fuck. I was. Like, I didn't even enjoy this thing that cost me tons of money. I had all of these women from all over the US and Canada here, and I was stiff. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I've just changed so, so, so much. I mean, you on my podcast said you were running an orphanage. And that's exactly, I, I resonated with that so much because that's what I
0: was. That's what I was doing. It's a hard knock life for exactly, us. <laughs> exactly. We were. And what's today, her name? What's the woman that ran it? Oh, yes. Um. We had a bunch oh, of, frick. what was her name? What Everyone her listening name? knows the name and they're yelling it right now yeah. in their cars yeah. or wherever yeah. they are. But yeah, we were those women running the orphanage, totally. complaining about it. Meanwhile, oh, yeah. we're the one who built the orphanage. We're the one who said, come on in. <laughs>
1: Oh, absolutely. It's so crazy. But, you know, I just had a conversation with my team this morning. And basically, it was you can't wait for me for motivation. This is your thing. And, And this is the truth. I'm not I'm not doing anything more to motivate you. I can't fire you up. You need to go do your own thing.
0: (laughs) I love that you said that. You guys, we're on Zoom right now. And just the mannerisms and the face she just made, it was like so network marketing. It's like, fire you up. Let's go. You know, the the lines that we use, you know, and it is funny when there's nothing (laughs) really, there's no depth to it. It's just, and then we wonder why people aren't quote unquote, fired up or motivated. And you're right. It's because they're choosing not to be because they haven't worked their own crap out. You said something earlier I want to loop back to. I forgot. You said that when you get through this inner work, right, and you do this healing, no matter how long it takes, you'll start showing up differently. You were talking about people in business. And you said you won't have to hustle and grind, You will be in the flow. Things will just come to you. Let's talk about that because you and I know there's so many women right now listening that are in any career or even in a relationship and they're like, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. And they think the solution is buying another program or doing this or that. And the truth is it's catching themselves in the messy bun, in the sweats, as they're walking by the mirror, right? That's the answer is pausing and going, okay, I'm gonna look in the mirror. So what did you see in your business with those people, it, did any of them also wake up with you and grow? Did you see? Or, or maybe you could talk about what it looks like when people aren't doing the inner work and they just keep complaining that they're stuck.
1: I have lots of women on my team that have done a lot of their own personal growth as well. And you know what? shocker, they are the most successful, you know, they're the six figure earners on my team. So success leaves clues. There's another network marketing term, but it's It's a good one. It is a good one. The people that don't see success, they're, like I just said, they're waiting for other people to do the work for them. And that's just not possible until you learn how to manage your own mindset. I know that sounds so cliche and overused, but the truth is we control our thoughts. And if you are waiting, if your thought is, I need the company to do this for me, I need my parents to do this for me, I need my spouse to do this for me, I need Michelle
0: to do this for me. No, that's not it. You get to
1: decide what you want. And when you start Always pushing towards what you specifically want. So, when I was moving through that grief journey, I wanted to feel better. I made that decision. I want to feel better. I cannot feel like this anymore. So, funny enough, the tools started popping off the bookshelves that I needed. Literally. Exactly. Once I stopped, like, stop whirling and hustling and not letting myself listen to my own heart, once I just stopped and paused. Things start falling into place, which then means you don't have to hustle and grind at whatever, being a mom. You don't have to be the martyr mom doing everything for everyone all the time. The more you put into yourself, the better mom you're going to be, and they're going to like you more.
0: (laughs) Oh, we could spin off for two hours, couldn't we, on that? I mean, I'm finally figuring that out as my kids are almost all out of the house. It's like, oh, shit. I wish I knew this 20 freaking years ago. You know, but yes, you're right. I mean, you know, the whole term hustling for your worth. You know, I heard someone recently say, I mean, there are a lot of buzzwords and buzz terms, but I love them. Outsourcing moms out there doing so much, thinking it's earning the love and respect of your children and earning the love and respect of the world. And truly what you're trying to do is earn the love and respect of yourself. You don't know that that's what you're doing, but that's why you're doing it all. That's why you can't go to lunch. And I I have this group of friends that they can't talk about anything but their children. I love my children as much as they are. They love their children. And I can have conversations that don't involve my kids because I have an identity outside of them. And so many women, as you know, they're just so wrapped up in motherhood. That's their only identity. And shit, if your kids go zigzag the other direction and your whole identity is wrapped up in that, You're screwed. You'll either pretend they're perfect, right? And hate yourself secretly and think you failed and want everyone to think the child's perfect and not really dig in to figure out what the cause was. Or, I mean, you'll lose it.
1: And that can be translated into anything. You might be hustling in your career. And that's what I was doing. I was hustling and getting all the things. And once it got a little bit harder, everything fell off the rails and i felt like i didn't have my identity and i you know it can be translated into anything for anyone that's not a mom or doesn't feel like they do that with their motherhood well maybe it's your career maybe it's your what you do with your spouse like you just have to give yourself time and love, and you just have to have your own identity. You yeah. just do it. Can't it? Can't be your network marketing rank. It can't be your kids. Like you have to have this
0: with what you do for a living. I'm sure you see women who are working out nonstop and eating perfectly, thinking that's going to get them what they wanted and make them happy and and have the world see them differently. And they don't know that you and I know exactly. only because not because we're smarter, but because we've we've looked at ourselves enough to know that they're truly just trying to love themselves. Oh,
1: it all comes down to that. All comes down to that is you, and that's what I was living through up until my 30s. I just wanted to love myself. I just wanted to figure out how I could like myself a little bit better. And I never went inside. I always was trying to please everyone else for that love instead of the best love is the love you give yourself. <laughs> it really is once you learn how to, how to give it.
0: Yeah. And let's close with that. I mean, it's all over the internet, you know, loving yourself. And I'm glad it is. And I believe there's a bit of confusion. Like, yes, self care is wonderful. Like, you know, bubble baths and things like that are important. And that is loving. But what Michelle did for herself, that messy walk, that shit sandwich that she ate, that's truly loving yourself, right? Her working through all those things and reinventing herself as herself. That's the best way to love yourself. And that's my opinion. Uh, to realize I don't really need to work on myself. I'm just perfect the way I am. And I'm going to do it so that I can have a great life and have joy and access joy and be happy without the facades and the need for achieving. And then all those, the achieving and the fit body and all those things are welcome, right? You'll get them and they'll feel Differently. They're icing on a beautiful cake instead of icing on a shit cake.
1: It's so true. You know, getting their rewards or it just feels different. In, In fact, it doesn't matter as much. Being on the rank boards and all the things that kept me up at night, all the things that I thought I had to have to be someone, well, I'm there and it's okay. Well, that's great. That's amazing. But it's not, that's not what brings me joy anymore. It's not having to hustle. It's feeling secure and feeling whole. I'm, I'm a whole person now. And I wasn't until my 40s. So if grief aside, no matter how old you are listening to this, it's you should start really getting to know yourself and working on yourself because it is really hard. It is really difficult. It is messy and mucky and not a lot of fun. But once you get over the really hard stuff, wow! It just feels so much different to be inside your body. <laughs> so it much does, different.
0: doesn't it? I, we were talking to our marriage coach yesterday. It was our last session after six months, and he was talking to us about this idea that because we said, "Tell, like, what do you think of how far we've come?" Because we've come really far in six months, and he said, "I look at it like a video game. Like you're at the first level, right? And you're fighting these different monsters and..." you know, different battles. And then you get to the second level. And not only when you get to the second level, are there new, you know, new level, new devil, are there new monsters, but you also have more strength because you actually supersized when you when you killed that monster in the first level, you got these superpowers that you didn't have. So you have more tools and more awareness. I thought that was a brilliant analogy. And then you just keep advancing to each level and there'll always be difficulties with it. But as you said, there's also so many wins and magic and beautiful things. When Michelle was talking about how hard it is, guys, don't let that dissuade you. It's not like, oh, this is horrible. You're still living your life and loving your life and doing some growth. It's not like you're doing personal development (laughs) and inner work 20 hours a day. You know, It might be 30 minutes a day. And it might be messy and painful because you're looking at things that are hard to see, yet you're still going through life and having a great life. And then, like she said, you get to a point where you realize there are a hundred or infinite more levels, but you're not scared anymore. And there's just this new view, view, right? There's just, you see nothing but beauty. And I invite everyone to do that. So for those who have experienced loss, they've lost someone, whether it's a spouse or a child or a parent, obviously each one is a different animal. Do you have any specific books that you recommend or anything specific on grief that you want us to leave them with?
1: Honestly, the magic is not a grief book by any stretch. What the hardest emotion to feel is thankful after you've lost someone. It doesn't make sense. How could you tell me? You know, you read the quotes on Instagram, gratitude. And I was like, F you, you don't even know what's going on here. However, it's possible. There were many days I was just thankful for my coffee. I was thankful that I was breathing. But I got into this practice of realizing that, yes, there are so many things to be grateful for. And when I started doing the practice, I felt differently. And when you start feeling differently, you feel a different strength to get through different moments. So I still, because that was the book that just started kind of the snowball effect for me, there was one grief book I read it was called option one. It was actually by the lady. She worked for Facebook and it was okay. But I honestly did not read any grief books. I didn't listen to any grief podcasts. I really just started to work on myself. And that started with gratitude. Mm. And that book is still, I give that book away so much because it just really started me on the path of,
0: walking through mm-hmm. it sounds yeah. like the grief instead of looking for the the books on grief you looked at what the grief triggered and then you healed that totally and that's yeah. beautiful so we'll put in the notes for this episode the name of that book we'll find out the the last name of the author okay so uh michelle i know people listening are understanding now why i adore you and they'll want to learn more from you or just get to know you whether they are interested in you know, how you're helping women with their emotional eating, weight loss, nutrition, or maybe they just wanna make friends with you and message you and, and say, hey, I just lost my parent. How do they find you and how do you spell your Instagram handle?
1: Yes, well, reach out to me for anything. You certainly don't have to buy anything to reach out to me, that's for sure. I just love connecting with other women. But find me everywhere at Michelle file. And file is tricky, because it starts with a P. So it's P F I L E. So at Michelle file, Instagram, Facebook, message me, I just love
0: connecting with other women. Awesome. And tell them about your podcast, which is amazing. I love your podcast. Yes.
1: Yes, definitely tune into the Michelle File show. And we talk about everything a lot like Jill's podcast. I mean, that's how I found Jill. I just love her podcast. And, but lots of guests like Jill sharing things about how, how to make you feel better, how to just really live in the body that we were designed to live in, you know, feel the way we were supposed to, supposed to feel happy and full of joy and confident. And that's Mm. really the message. That's the message I'm trying to
0: share. Well, you are, you're doing a great job and we so appreciate you. So thank you for being on with us. Thank you for serving our community in this way. And I I really look forward to more.
1: I appreciate it. It was an honor. Thank you.